can finish up, but I'm going to start. We're going straight into the message today. Uh, mixer question, uh, of course, uh, what country would you pick? Sometimes I go into these mixers and I just start talking about other stuff, but uh, I heard uh, Scotland and the Netherlands uh, were in my group. Any other uh, Scottish people want to go be citizens of Scotland? The UK? All right. How about uh, the Netherlands, anybody? Oh, got one back there. Nice. Sarah. Yeah, Sada. All right, so um, I have a couple friends, uh, one who lives in Switzerland, one who lives in Norway, and those were kind of my top two picks. So I asked them, I said, they're there, and I asked them, hey, what, what's great about living in Norway and Switzerland? What's great, or what's not so great? And I heard back uh, from this guy, Kenny Merrickin, who has since become a citizen of Norway. And this is what he said about Norway, just in case that was on your list. Anybody, Norway? Oh, got one, yes, all right. You're tall, that would work, Jacob. Okay. <laughs> So this society, here's the good, more egalitarian than individualistic. Uh, people there tend to see themselves as part of a whole working toward a common good. So less individualistic than us, more like working together. Uh, taxation there works to benefit all members of society, uh, so not just particular groups, um, but it goes to benefit everyone there. And then uh, he's, a, he's a laborer, and he said great wages, paid parental leave, paid vacation. People feel and see themselves as equals. So there's not a lot of class and status type of things there. What he dislikes, uh, darkness in winter. Not like this, for sure. Uh, food choices are fewer and weird. So note that, weird food choices. Uh, People aren't the most talkative. It takes a while for Native Norwegians to uh, show emotion. All right, so Kenny's a citizen of Norway. My friend Kristoff uh, is a friend of Switzerland. Um, we've got Murray's in Scotland. We've got my friend Joshua in India. All citizens of different countries. But what I have in common with these guys is that we are part of another country, another kingdom. We are all, these five of us, are brothers. Uh, in Christ, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, which spans all over the globe, and it's been going on for a long time, and it's going to outlast all those other nations that rise and fall, much like the skate rink, which rises and falls, and us, the kingdom of God, we're persisting. We're still here, man. We're here next week. That's gone next week. I'm happy about that. All right, so we're going to talk about the kingdom of God today. And from God's vantage point, God has revealed to us that uh, the kingdom of God is a big thing, and uh, either you are in it or you are outside of it. Every human who's ever lived is either inside the kingdom of God or outside the kingdom of God. Now, if you're outside the kingdom of God today or unsure, listen up, because Jesus is going to show you how to come into and become a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you're inside the kingdom of God today, I've got a message for you as well. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, did it make a difference in your life this week? Did you live as a citizen of the kingdom of God this week in the midst of these other kingdoms that we are part of? Uh, or did you forget? It's easy to forget. Uh, it, it can be, not for Jeff, but for some of us it's easy to forget that, hey, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. We do things differently. we got a different king and so we're going to look at that as well. So let's go now to Jesus' words in John. We started in John a few weeks back. It opens up with uh, highlighting Jesus, 
who is the Word of God, the Son of God, the Eternal One, who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And these witnesses of Jesus, these first followers, they told us about him. They went out and proclaimed the news about Jesus and his message, the message about this kingdom. And they told us that he came full of grace and truth to bring us into his kingdom. Last uh, time I spoke, we talked about how Jesus invited people personally, guys like Philip and Andrew and Nathaniel, personally to come and follow him, to come and find out for themselves what he has brought. The same invitation to you and me, come and see. We're going to pick it up today in chapter 3-1, this encounter with Nicodemus. It's one of my favorite scenes, uh, Jesus talking to this guy named Nicodemus. Let's look at it, John 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. A lot packed into that little sentence. Nicodemus is what? A Pharisee. All right, so he's part of this group, this very influential group called the Pharisees. And they have a particular aim. They want to get Israel right with God so that God will come back. And their method is to get everybody super obedient to the law that was given to them uh, through Moses. And to actually add some laws to that to make sure that nobody breaks those laws that God gave to them through Moses. That's their aim. That's their method. And this is an influential group. This is a power structure that Nicodemus is part of. All right, it's a human organization with particular goal and particular means. All right, he's also what? A member of the Sanhedrin. He's, he's one of the rulers in Israel. This is a very elite group, a, a group of 70. And their, their aim is to protect the temple and preserve Israel. And they've got a challenge because they are ruled by another kingdom, another power structure. What is it? Roman Empire. All right, so they're trying to navigate this thing. And um, they, they've got some challenges as well. All right, so with few exceptions, the Pharisees, that power structure, that micro-kingdom, if you will, and the Sanhedrin, that micro-kingdom, that power structure, they are antagonistic toward Jesus and the work that he is doing in the world, his aim and his methods. All right, so we've got some conflict between these different power structures going on. Nicodemus, uh, maybe you can relate to this. Nicodemus is part of these different power structures, and each of them have different aims and means, and sometimes those conflict with each other. You know, think about the power structures that you are involved in. What are some of those? Those groups, those human organizations that have particular aims and methods. What is it? A union? Yeah, the union is a power structure, right? Particular aims and methods. You may agree or disagree with them. All right, and maybe you're part of a, a, a teacher union, which is part of a school. That's another power structure. And that school is under the state, which is another power, state of California, another power structure, which is within the United States, another power structure. And these, these power structures don't always get along. Sometimes there's conflict. Uh, sometimes they move in the same direction and so forth. Um, what's a smaller power structure that you're part of, you're born into? Your family, right? There's a little power structure there, right? Some work well, some not so great, some are crazy, some are, yeah. All right, so we got these different power structures that we have to navigate through. All right, let's look at Nicodemus balancing these different powers and these different agendas. Oh, there's one more power structure we didn't mention. Today, Team LA Rams or Team 
49ers, right? Yeah, there's a battle going on. There's a conflict, different names. All right, I had to throw that in there. All right, lots to navigate. Let's go back to Nicodemus, verse 2. He, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Why did Nicodemus come to Jesus? Because he saw something. We think we, so Nicodemus and some other people, we think that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now what power structure is God part of? His own power structure. And what's the relationship between God and his power structure and these other power structures? So Nicodemus is going to go to Jesus. And when did he go to Jesus? A little detail there. At night, all right? Now remember, the power structures that Nicodemus is part of, they don't like Jesus. So he comes at night because Nicodemus is aware that Jesus is part of a power structure higher than the Pharisees, higher than the Sanhedrin. So he's going to take the risk, risk of upsetting people. The, he's going to, you know, there's a, there's a threat. He can lose his position, his status within those other power structures if he is seen associating himself with Jesus. But he doesn't care. I, I love this about Nicodemus, right? He's a, he's a little, you know, he's going at night, but let's not miss the point. He is going to Jesus. He's going to risk it and go to him. All right. He came at night. We know you're from God. Why did... Nicodemus and the others that are with Nicodemus, at least associate with him, why do they think Jesus is from God? He did stuff. You are doing things that only God could do. We know that you come from God because you are doing God things. God category stuff. All right, that's all he knows. He's calling him a rabbi. He thinks he's a teacher. That's all he knows at this point. We know he's the word of God at this point. Um, but he's going to him to find out more. This is great, man. If you've got an inkling that Jesus is somehow connected to God, go and find out. Go to him yourself. Go directly. That's another thing we can take away from here. Go to Jesus' words. Go to his church, yes, but we are flawed people who are trying to follow Jesus. Don't get tripped up, tripped up on the church. We're imperfect. We will let you down. But don't miss Jesus in the mix. Make sure you go and explore and talk to and hear from Jesus yourself. Go to his words. What does he say? What did he do? All right. Now, what about you? Your partisan power structures. Any conflicts between your power structures and God and his kingdom? Are there any power structures that you're part of that you're not really excited about them knowing that you associate with Jesus. Because maybe their aims and methods uh, are different than Jesus'. Maybe they're antagonistic toward Jesus or Christianity. You know? What do you do? How are you in those power structures? It can be challenging, right? Am I going to be real? Am I going to be who I am? Am I going to stand on that? One thing I've learned along the way is that I need to remember when I feel that I'm in this other power structure, I feel this temptation to kind of be quiet and pull back and shrink back. I need to remember, I want to remember that, no, I am in God's kingdom. 
I have what this power structure really needs. I'm in the kingdom of God, and I want to help others come into that kingdom of God. But it's challenging, all right? So Nicodemus, let's give him credit. He went to see Jesus and find out for himself. Let's read it again, verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, amen, amen. Amen means truly, truly. Amen, amen. Very truly, I tell you, no one, listen, Nicodemus, listen, you and me, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can even see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Boom. That's a big thing to put on Nicodemus. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not, you cannot be part of what God is doing in the world. You cannot be, come into God's presence, which is God's kingdom. You can't even see that unless something has happened to you, unless you have been born again. Nicodemus was part of a lot of different power structures. He had position and status within those power structures, but he valued and esteemed the kingdom of God above and beyond all those other things. Because he, he knew God. He was aware of God. He, he knew who he was as a Jew. He knew he was part of this history that God was doing in the world, this thing that God was doing in the world. He valued it enough to take this risk. It, it made me ask the question, what about me? Uh, do I want this kingdom of God? Do I want this as badly as Nicodemus wanted to go to Jesus at night and take those risks? Do I want it? Why do I want it? The kingdom of God, what is that? Well, the kingdom of God is where God is king, where his good will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's where we have a just and kind and good ruler, the perfect one. We have a king who sacrificed himself, not for his own benefit, but for your benefit, the subjects of his kingdom. It's the place where justice is true, where people are uh, treated equally. It's a place where people are valued and seen and known and loved. That's the kingdom of God. I think most of us long for that. When relationships are tough and we're part of these other power structures where there's backbiting and division and just, you know, human sin pervasive, we long for, I long for this kingdom to come in its fullness. You and I, humans made as image and likeness, we're made to live in God's kingdom where people are rightly related to God, people are rightly related to each other. The basis, basis of our relationship is not power, it's love. It's I want what's good for you. And the king is a king who is a king of loving sacrifice for others. I love when I get little glimpses of that kind of good fellowship here in small group and different places where things run well. Give me more of that. That's the kingdom of God. Nicodemus wanted it. Do you want it? Well, if you want it and you're outside of it, Jesus has already told you what you need. You need to be born again. All right, how do you do that? How to be born again? Good question. Nicodemus raises that question next. Verse 4, 
How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus was probably a little bit older. How's that going to work, Jesus? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He was thinking about this physical birth, right? What are you talking about, Jesus? Being born again, that sounds impossible. Physically impossible, humanly impossible. Yes, impossible. So Jesus explains, verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, amen, amen. Again, important truth, don't miss it. No one can enter the kingdom of God, because, okay, so you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't be part of the God realm where God is king, his good rule and reign uh, exists. You can't enter it unless they are born, and now he gives us a little more detail, born of water and the spirit. Born again, born of water and the spirit. Don't miss that. None of you can enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water, born of the spirit, born again. Not the best of you, not the worst of you. You can't enter without being born again. Jesus says, verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh. It's true. It's real, right? That happens. That's why we're here. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but new birth, the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Not much wind today. But you hear it sound. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, right? It's unpredictable. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let's capture this. What does it mean to be born again? It sounds really important. If you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. What does it mean? It means being born of water and of the Spirit. Or water and the Spirit, okay? Um, the water one. Give me help with that one. That's a little challenging. What does that mean? Baptism is associated so far in John with baptism, which is a symbol of our cleansing from what? Sin. Yes, forgiveness. Yes, you need to be cleansed of your sins. You need to be washed by God in order for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. That's the second part, to be filled with the Spirit. Born of the water, cleansed by God, sacrificed for you. Born of the Spirit, his indwelling presence. And Jesus said, hey, look, you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. But Nicodemus was surprised because he thought, hey, I'm born a Jew. I'm a physical descendant of Abraham. I'm in the kingdom of God. That was a, a general assumption in the first century. And Jesus said, no, you, Nicodemus, need to be born again. Nicodemus knocked all the check boxes. He was the elite. He was a teacher of, of scripture. He knew the Bible inside and out. He was a regular tender synagogue and the temple. He did all the right things, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for him, for you, for any of us. All of us need to be born again. We need something that we can't do on our own. We need something that reveals our dependency on God. God, I need your forgiveness for my sins. I need your cleansing. Only you can do that and provide that. God, I need your spirit in me to help me move and to obey the laws, to do what's good and right. This radical transformation, this rebirth is necessary. And it was promised. The reason he's giving Nicodemus a hard time here, hey, you should know this already, is because it's clearly spelled out in the Old Testament, in the prophets, one place in particular, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. This is a promise hundreds of years before Jesus came and delivered it. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. 
Yes, Jesus, we need it. We need it. I will, clean, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Clean before God. Can you do that on your own? How's your track record? We need to be cleaned by God, and I'll give you a new heart. You need, you need like a radical transformation, the center of your being, the center of your will. I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put my spirit within you to dwell in you. My powerful personal presence will be in you and with you. That was the radical transformation promise. That's what we needed. That's what Jesus has brought. All right. Let's just make sure we don't miss this. I ask the question at this point, why is this necessary? I'm a pretty good person. Sharon's a pretty good person. You know, she's got her problems. She's got her issues. Mark's a pretty good person sometimes. You know? I, I go to church regularly. I'm generous. I'm nicer than that guy. Why are all this, why all this radical stuff? Why doesn't God just let me in his kingdom? Aha, well, it's kind of like football. All right, so let me, I'll show you something here. I'm not a bad football player. I'm pretty good compared to you. <laughs> maybe not Ethan, maybe not Evan. I don't know if Colby's here. But, you know, I can catch a ball, especially if it's a Nerf. This is my size ball. And, I, you know, I played growing up. I love playing corner. I love playing receiver. Like, I love just running out, trying to catch the ball. I wasn't a very good thrower. I know my limits. Um, but any chance I could play in the NFL? Why not? I'm not good. I'm not good enough. I'm not even close to good enough. Let's be honest here. Jesus is being straight up honest with you and me. You are not good enough to be in the kingdom of God. You're not good enough to come into my personal holy presence. You're not good enough to come into a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit filled with love and joy and peace and goodness. You are not good enough. Nicodemus wasn't good enough. And he was good. None of us are good enough. You need to be born again. Here's the situation. Jesus, again, spells it out. It's a little offensive, but let's look at it. You and me who were born of the flesh, we're all born in the flesh. We've got flesh and blood here. Here's the list in scripture. Guess what? When you're born, you are alive physically, but you are dead in sin. Dead in your sin. Dead in your sins. Anybody sin? That's evidence that you are dead. And because of your sin, you are spiritually dead. You're dead in your sins. You are without God separated, banished from his presence. You are separated from God, without God, and without hope. Because you're without God. What are you going to do when this flesh dies? You're hopeless without God. Without hope. You are condemned. It's, it's worse. Because of your sins, you are condemned. You are under the judgment of God. You are under God's wrath. Everyone born, every human born, is in this situation, in this condition. It's unflattering, but Jesus, you need to know this. And you are outside of God's kingdom. You're outside of his presence. And you will remain there beyond physical death unless something radical happens. You will die in your sins. Jesus is straight up. He doesn't hold back on this. Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God. 
You think you're so close? You think you're in front of the line? No, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. You'll remain outside God's kingdom, Nicodemus, you, me, beyond physical death, unless you are born again. Unless you are, next category, born of the Spirit, born again. Those who are born, have been born again, we are now, we've been made alive in God, made alive by God, made alive in God. We are Holy Spirit filled, God's personal presence in us. We are eternally secure in God. We're not without hope, we're with hope. Eternally secure in God. This is just the beginning. God's spirit in you is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, the fullness of his kingdom. You are forgiven. You're not condemned. You're forgiven now under God's grace because of what he did for you. You are a citizen of God's kingdom forever. See, instead of lowering his standards to let everybody in, God keeps his standards high, keeps his kingdom pure, keeps it good. And says, I'm going to transform you so you can be part of this. I'm going to give you what you need and what you cannot provide for yourself. I'm going to cleanse you of your sin. And I'm going to put my personal presence in you to help you walk this out. To help you begin to be new. To help you begin to live like a citizen of God's kingdom. Like a child of God. A son or daughter of the king. You can only move from category one to category two by being born again. Okay, it's necessary. Next question, how does that happen? How can I get that? How can I, and Nicodemus goes there. Verse 9, how can this be? How does this work? Jesus says, you're, you're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? And Jesus is just kind of, kind of rough with the guy, right? You don't understand? Come on, Nicodemus, you're a big deal. Verse 11, very truly, I tell you, we, Jesus is speaking, about he and his people, his disciples, his power structure. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you people outside the kingdom, Nicodemus is still outside the kingdom, you people do not accept our testimony. You people, Pharisees, that power structure, Sanhedrin, that power structure, do not accept our testimony. How about the power structures around us today? Are they accepting our testimony about Jesus? No, it's antagonistic, right? Growing in antagonism. Unfortunately. All right, I have spoken to you of earthly things, Jesus says, and you do not believe. Probably referring to, hey, you need to be born again. The real simple baseline stuff. And we testify to what we have seen, but you people, oh no, I'm sorry, I messed that up. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? I can't get farther with you, Nicodemus, until you get these basic things in place. And then Jesus tells us what we need to do. What do we need to accept? What do we need to believe in order to be born again? That seems to unlock this for us. Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven, Jesus said. No one's ever gone into heaven, into the kingdom of God, into the God realm, into his presence, except the one who came from heaven, the eternal word of God, the son of God, who took on human flesh, also known as the son of man. That's a messianic title. Jesus Nick, directs Nicodemus to, to what? What do you need to believe? To himself, to the Son of Man. Jesus is calling Nicodemus to believe that he is the Son of Man who has come from heaven. That's basic. That is basic. And I can't tell you any more, Jesus is saying, until you get those basics in place. And then he goes on. This is a little bit of a weird story, but I'll unpack it. Verse 14, just as Moses 
back in the wilderness, back in Israel's early days, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who, here it is again, who believes may have eternal life in him, may be born again, may come into the kingdom of God. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness had to believe Moses to be saved, so you and I need to believe Jesus, what he says, in order to be saved. Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. All right, Nicodemus would have known this. He didn't have to unpack it for him. But here's the deal. In the wilderness, Israel sinned again. And God was punishing their sin. He sent his wrath against them in the form of venomous snakes. Very visual, very visible, clear-cut. Okay, God's punishment is upon us. And these snakes are biting these Israelites, and they are dying. And Moses cries out to God, God, have mercy, save us. And, And God does something weird. He says, make a bronze snake, put it up on a pole, and people who look to it will be healed. And at that time and place, you're like, that's just strange, odd. What are you doing, Jesus? He's doing, uh, what are you doing, God? What are you, he's doing something in, um, before this big one that he's going to do. All right, so God's wrath is released against Israel because of their sin. God's wrath is released against you and me if you're outside the kingdom because of your sins. God's wrath then was in the form of venomous snakes. They were biting people and the people were dying. Today, God's wrath is impending judgment on you for your sins. They were snake-bitten and dying because of their sins. You are spiritually snake-bitten and dying because of your sins. Moses asked God for mercy. And those who believed Moses, even though it was weird, and looked to the snake on the pole, lifted up, they were healed. They were snake-bitten, but they were healed when they believed God's prophet. Likewise, you and me, when we believe, when we look to the Son of Man who was lifted on that cross to cleanse you of your sins, to give you new life, when you look to Jesus and believe, believe enough to look to him, it doesn't take much, you too will be healed. You too will be saved. That's how you become born again looking to Jesus, looking to what he's done for you, instead of trying to look to, what do I need to do? No. Here's your situation. This is what you need to believe. Next fill-in. To be born again, believe, number one, that you need this. That you need this. Here's a way to say it. I am doomed, apart from God, I am doomed, I am snake-bitten and dying, apart from God. That's the situation of everybody who's still outside of the kingdom of God. Number one, just believe you need it. That's what Jesus come to say. Next one, that Jesus, the Son of Man, Word of God in the flesh, Lamb of God, Son of God, is the God-sent Savior. He's God's provision of salvation to rescue you. I believe you, Jesus, and I turn to you for my salvation. I receive it. I need it. Where are you this morning? Inside the kingdom of God? Secure? Filled with God's spirit? Born again? Are you outside? If you're outside, do not miss this, man. If you have questions, go to Jesus. Talk to us. We'll, we'll direct you to what Jesus said. We want to help you become born again. 
We want you to come into God's kingdom as well. Because it's good. We showed you the good things that are there. If you have questions, ask them today. Go to the gazebo during this last song. Get prayer. Talk to us. Talk to me. All right, now, if you've already been born again, then, phew, thank you, God. Thank you for this provision of salvation. I mean, we could just stop on thank you. Thank you, Lord. I was dead. You made me alive. But now the call is for us, who are part of God's kingdom, to live accordingly, to live in this. The kingdom of God is where his rule and reign are um, submitted to. Think of the prayer that Jesus gave us. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. As it is perfectly done in heaven, let it be done more and more here on earth. Let it be done more and more in my life. Let it be done more and more in our community together. The call of God's spirit is to now be ruled by God. To submit ourselves fully to him. And to no longer live by the flesh. But to live in the spirit. Jesus hints at it here, verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. If you're living by the Spirit, you are flowing with the Spirit. You're letting the Spirit rule you, work through you, blow through you. Let's look at this more closely. Galatians 5 gives it to us more concretely. So this is Paul speaking to some believers, those who've been born again. So I say, walk, brothers and sisters in the kingdom, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh are those sinly, sinful old desires that are still in us, right? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you do not do whatever you want. All right, so there's a conflict going on with you. There's two power structures within you. Even though you're part of the kingdom of God, you still have this residual power structure from the flesh. It's with you. Have you noticed that? Anybody follower of Jesus? Why is it so hard? Well, it's because you've got another power structure in you. The power of sin, the power of the flesh. We don't get rid of that until we see Jesus face to face. But right now, we're battling this. Okay, and these two power structures, the power of God, the Spirit of God, is in conflict with this power of the flesh, the power of sin. Okay, what are these, what is the flesh? Give me more detail here. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. All right, that's a sampling of the flesh. When you run with the flesh, when you walk in the flesh, these are the things that you are participating in. This is the fruit that comes from you submitting to being led by your sinful flesh. All right, what's the opposite? 
Well, first he warns us. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hey, if you're just living fully in this still, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're not part of it. It's evidence that you are not even part of the kingdom of God. Those things don't fit us anymore, citizens of God's kingdom. But here's the fruit of the Spirit now. Here's the stuff that God's Spirit, that power structure in you now wants to produce and lead you into more and more. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. That's self-sacrifice for the good of others. Love, joy, peace, forbearance. It's like patience, like being patient with each other. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Put those things on, that godly stuff, more and more. That's God's kingdom stuff. Let him produce that in you. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've said no to that. We've died to that. That's repentance. That's what the picture of baptism is when you're baptized. We've died to that. We said, no, I don't want to live in that anymore. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right, let's break this down so that we can walk more as citizens of God's kingdom today and this week when we go into these other power structures. Power structures that are against God, but also that power structure within you, the flesh. Number one, when the flesh comes, when you see it activated, you have a sinful reaction to something hard. Number one, remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. You're born again. Remember, you're born of the Spirit. You're alive in God. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're forgiven under His grace. You're a child of God. Remember who you are. Number one, you're not a citizen of this world. You're not uh, a person who lives by the flesh. You're not, you might be associated with these other power structures, but your primary power structure is God and his kingdom. Number one, remember who you are. Number two, recognize the flesh as opposed to the spirit. Be aware when you're acting out of the old sinful flesh. Be aware. Catch it. Be sensitive to it. The Spirit of God wants to help you identify that so you don't run with it and become, you know, destroyer. Wreck things. When you run in the flesh, you wreck things. Recognize this flesh and then call on God's Spirit. Number three, be moved moved by God's Spirit, not the flesh. Let the Spirit of God in that moment move you. Be moved by it. Be led by it. Don't be ruled by fear or anger, or frustration, or sin, or vengeance, or bitterness. Don't be run by those things anymore. Don't let those things move you and rule you and guide you. Don't walk in those things anymore. Let us walk in the Spirit, be moved by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. We're just going to have to, more regularly, call on God. Because this is tough, the battle's on. The battle might be on right now with you. This week, today... You know, before you start losing, the flesh is going to kick up, man. Don't run with it. Be ruled by the Spirit. I had experience this week where, man, I had many opportunities this week, probably you did as well, to react sinfully to things. Some of you know we, we got this terrible, like, one-star review on uh, Google reviews this week. That's how the week opened. And then, and then we just got a bunch, it was a pain. It was just a hassle to deal with. And I know this person, I was mad, and I wanted to just hit back. You know, part of me, my flesh, that power structure is still there. 
All right? And then some other things happened this week. Other opportunities to react sinfully to things. Plenty of opportunities, right? This is what I, when I was responding well, this is what I was doing. I was calling on Jesus. I was, I was putting the pause button. I was not reacting quickly. The flesh will want you to react quickly. Go into that hard situation. Go into that conflict that you know could very well happen. Pray it up. Let's go, Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. I want to be moved by you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I'm going to let you be king over me in this moment. And let him do it. Let him advance his kingdom through you. Let his kingdom be present in you in those moments. That's the battle. That's the battle. There'll be plenty of opportunities to practice it this week. So let's stand and we'll pray and then we'll sing. And then if you need more prayer, go to the gazebo during this last song. And if you know, hey, there's something about your flesh you're just stuck in. You have this pattern that you keep repeating, you keep repeating, you keep repeating. Talk to Jeff about this freedom in Christ thing. It is a great thing. You're gonna, it's going to help free you up from that. There's a women's group coming in March. You can talk to Sharon about that as well. Holy God, thank you for coming to us. We couldn't come to you. We weren't good enough. We, we were not good enough, Lord. So you came to us. You sprinkled us with clean water and made us clean. Thank you, Jesus. And you put your spirit in us, Lord God. Wow, what a gift. Thank you for that transformation, Lord. Thank you that you are committed to seeing that all the way through, Lord. You're going to work this old sinful flesh out of us, Lord. I can't wait for the day when it's gone completely in each of us, Lord. We're going to enjoy your presence fully. So we thank you for where we're headed, Lord God. We ask that you help us do this well this week. You know, do it better this week. Help us be led more by your spirit, more by you, and less by our old sinful nature, Lord. Help us not get trapped, ensnared. Uh, help us not get caught, kicking out. Um, Lord, we ask for your help. We thank you for being with us and your commitment to us. Amen. <laughs>